Well, hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Josh. Obviously, I'm your host, Josh Andrew. I'm super excited to jump into today's topic. Really want to hit two things. We're going to be talking about flags today. And not the American flag, not the Mexican flag, any of the actual flags. We're going to be talking about red flags and green flags. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen I made a post, really it was yesterday, about this this concept of red flags and green flags. Not just for the church, obviously, that's very specific. This is more just for leaders in ministry or or really in the workplace. You could say that as well. If you aren't in ministry, this is definitely still relevant for you because we need to be aware of our environments inside our workplace. Our boss, our pastor, our environment, again, needs to be really healthy. And if we're not exposed to something in the positive side or the negative side, we don't know any different. If you only know one environment, you might not actually know it's unhealthy. On the other side, you might not actually know it's healthy. Therefore, we're going to dive in just to some basic information, basic things to look for on both sides. We are going to start with the red flags, just so we can get really the hard stuff first. And then at the end, we're going to go green flags, the stuff that's really encouraging and the things that we want to look for that are positive. And just a couple prefaces here. One of them being no church is perfect, right? The only church that is perfect is the place where there's nobody there. And that's not even a church, that's just a building. So all that to say, just because you're in an environment that might seem not okay, there's a difference between being harassed and abused and just not agreeing with someone's opinion or, again, the methods we don't actually debate about. The methods are the things that actually change in any environment you're in. Maybe you look at the history of the church for the past thousands of years. It looks different. The methods look different, but the message stays the same. And God's word stands true to this day. Therefore, therefore, we don't actually get to dictate truth. We don't get to have really opinions about it. It's, it's truth. It's absolute truth. Therefore, it is what it is. And it's our responsibility to continue to go on the journey of sanctification to understand that God's bribe is beautiful. We have to be careful when we talk about it. And the things that I'm talking about are for you because I, I've experienced all of these things that are red flags and green flags. These are just observations that I've made. Again, the, you might not actually agree with some of these. You might say, hey, Josh, I actually don't agree with that red flag. I think it's, I think it's a good thing. That's fine. Again, I'm just going submit to submit some ideas to you and some things to you to hopefully help you again not experience some of the things i've experienced because we have experienced church hurt i think that term actually is uh good i think we should use that term because you were hurt you were hurt by people and but that does not give you permission to stop going to church does not give you permission to stop attending a local church participating in a local church sowing into the kingdom of god that is not an option not an option for my wife and i either we are part of a local church we have a pastor we're submitted we listen but all that to say, we're going to jump in. It's kind of a longer introduction, but I just wanted to preface. I love the local church. I love Jesus. I love you for listening to this. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you're on YouTube, thank you so much for watching this. If you can, hit the subscribe button and the like button. We're almost at 70,000 YouTube subscribers, which is wild to me. In audio, if you're listening to this on Spotify or wherever, thank you much for listening. Seriously, it means the world. So let's jump into some red flags. Surrounded by yes people. This is a big problem. 
if you're seeing your pastor or your leader surrounded by yes people and yes people all that means is somebody who isn't getting challenged not just the big things right not just theology but practical day-to-day systems and play in strategies inside your church if there's no one telling and at least not just saying no that's kind of ridiculous right but at least saying hey have we thought about this in a different way? And if they don't have that permission, if they don't have permission to at least share an insight or a thought or maybe what God speaks to them, that's a red flag, right? You should not be surrounded by yes people. And if you're listening to this, by the way, and you are a leader in the church and you're going, man, this, this is convicting me, I'm offended. You need to sit for a second and ask Holy Spirit, hey, what, what am I supposed to be learning from this right now so that I can change because character can change right but surrounded by yes people that is a massive red flag if somebody just and again this is the workplace as well if you're surrounded by yes people and you don't have somebody challenging you pushing you forward helping you think differently and also cultivating the environment of safety and security in a team which equals trust right you can't have trust without safety and security all that to say if someone's surrounded by yes people and you can see it that's a problem Leaders react negatively to failure. I would rather try as hard as I possibly can and shoot for a million and get 500,000 than shoot for five and get four, right? We want to aim big. And as a leader, you should as well. You should aim to try as hard as you possibly can. And if you have repercussions, again, for failure is going to happen. You're going to fail at something. You're not going to, the numbers aren't going to hit you're going to mess up in a message one time. You're going to uh, more than once, honestly. There's things that, again, th- th- we're not talking about biblical things where it's like you are no longer capable of being in biblical leadership. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying practical stuff in your day-to-day job that might have caused a mess up. You might have failed once. That doesn't mean you are a failure. You just failed. If they react, like overreact to that and make you feel like a piece of, you know what, that's a problem. Because as leaders, again, I have a staff, I have people that report to me. And when people are looking to me and they go, man, I messed up, but the effort was there. You have to actually reinforce that because what will end up happening is they'll learn on their mistakes and they'll continue to get better instead of making them feel bad about it. Then they sit and go, man, I'm a mistake not I've made a mistake and it's your responsibility to carry that energy that same energy when it happens to you as well because you will make a mistake as well so if a leader is reacting negatively to failure again I'm so sorry that that's happening to you or happened to you you made a mistake you aren't a mistake you you might have failed once that does not mean you are a failure we have to give people grace we have to be the people who can stand behind them and cover them and say, hey, I believe in you so much. Keep trying. So that's two. Number three, believe loyalty only goes one way. Actually, there's a couple, there's really some bigger themes here that you can see kind of consistently through the type of person we're talking about. And again, I'm not, I'm just, a, I'm just going from observations and experiences. That's all this is. Wisdom is knowledge and experiences gained from either yourself or other people. I'm trying to help you so you don't have to go through this. So believe loyalty only goes one way. Loyalty does not just go vertically up to the person above you in your structure, your org chart. Loyalty does not go in the business world just to your boss. You can't just be loyal to your boss. That's ridiculous, right? 
if you're loyal just to your boss, what you're saying is it's actually not loyalty. Because if anything, any of these type of character things like loyalty, trust, safety, security, respect, you can't say you believe in loyalty if you're only loyal to one type of person, which is a person above you. That doesn't even make sense. That The lack of integrity and the lie in that is I'm a loyal person. No, you're scared and insecure. Therefore, you have to make people report to you and be loyal to you only in one way. That's a problem. Loyalty does not go one way. It goes both ways. If you're, think about this in a relationship, right? How horrible is that? You're in a dating relationship and you and your girlfriend are out to dinner and she says, hey, I think we're only going to have loyalty from you. So you, you can't be in other relationships. We're going to still date though. I want you to date. The problem is I'm not going to be loyal to you. Would you be in that relationship? Absolutely not. That's ridiculous. So how are we going to think that in any other relationship? Again, this is all relationships. This is all relevant to any relationship you have. It's not just in the workplace, but loyalty has to go both ways. Yes. Moving on. Honor is elevated above confession and humility. We actually did a whole episode on overdosed honor. Honor is medicine. It's good for the soul. It's good for your body. It's good for your mind. Again, honor is great. It's biblical. And you should honor the people that deserve it and the people that God honors, which is about everybody, right? Therefore, honor is beautiful. It is important. And you should have a spirit of honor in yourself. Honor should not be elevated above confession and humility, though. They should not. Confession and humility are saying, hey, as the leader, I, I make mistakes too. I'm a human being too. Just because I have a title in front of my name that I make everybody say, don't get me started on that. But honor is great, again, but it should not be elevated above confession and humility. Humility says, I'm a human being just like you. Therefore, you don't have to treat me like a king. Because the reality is your pastor is not a king. He's not. And in, in a king, you're having a kingdom. We have one kingdom and we have one king. Therefore, your pastor is not an untouchable person. Your pastor is not a king. And he might honestly be, though. That just means that he's got his own castle and he's not in the right kingdom. And there needs to be confession and humility to get back into under the real king, Jesus. So honor should not be elevated above confession and humility. Here's two slogans, by the way, that are red flags. And by the way, this is literally directly from my Instagram post. I just want. To preface this, you can go on my Instagram, you can see this, but we get to do this. How many times have you heard we get to do this when it's something that nobody wants to do? And that's not saying you shouldn't do it. We have, we are going to do hard things. No matter if you're in the church, you're working a normal nine to five job, whatever, there, there's going to be times you're doing stuff you don't want to do. That's actually part of the obedience to God is saying, God, I will do what you tell me to do because you're my Lord. Many people want a savior. They don't want a Lord. The Lord says, do this. That means you do it. The problem is when it's a consistent statement that you're hearing in an environment that's telling you, we get to do this. But it's almost like this fake it till you make it strategy to say, I'm going to say this as much as I can to get people excited about the vision that I can't properly communicate. Because if you properly communicate a vision, people listen and ask themselves, or God speaks to them, hopefully that one, and says, I, I want to be a part of that vision. But if you can't clearly communicate a vision, you can't cl clearly communicate 
what God is telling you to do with your environment, your church or your whatever. And you have to constantly reinstate not culture, not values, because values and culture should be constantly communicated in, in different ways, not just the same thing regurgitated from your leader, but again, applied to you. But if someone's consistently saying, we get to do this, we get to do this, we get to do this, uh, I would venture to say a couple of things. One, they're probably not doing it. They're probably saying not to get you excited about doing something they are actually not willing to do. Don't follow a leader who's not willing to do what they're asking you to do. It's absolutely, that's horrible. And also, they don't know what they're saying. They generally, they just hear that in the church. And again, we, we mean well, we have pure intentions, but we just say things because another church said it. And we think because that church said it, that means that if I say it, I'm going to get the same results as that church. We all know that's not how God works. It's not. It's not how God works. God doesn't say, he does that with his word, right? He does that with the 66 books in the Bible. But he doesn't say that with just some random value a church in Australia made or a church in Europe made. That we go, that sounds really good. I think I'm going to try that because their church is exploding, which it probably, it might not be exploding. Their social media person might just be better than yours. Yeah, so that's a red flag. We get to do this. Okay, cool. Let's say that once and then never say it again. Another statement. This is how we've always done it. Yikes. Again, right at the beginning, I said, we are married to the message. I'm married to the message of Jesus. I'm married to the plan A of God's earth, which is the local church. I'm married to that. I'm not married to methods. And when somebody says, this is how we've always done it, shows a lot. And when we could probably have a whole podcast about that specific saying, this is how we've always done it. Okay, cool. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's break it down a little bit. This is how we've always done it. AKA, I'm not willing to change. I'm not willing to grow. I'm not willing to listen. I'm not willing to say I was wrong. I'm not willing. Again, there's a lot of I'm not willings in that statement. And that screams not just insecurity, but it's probably time for that person to move on to a different position, a different role, a different whatever. Because when you're stuck in systems and you're stuck in methods, what that ends up happening is you turn an idea into a law, not a legal, like a actual leg legislation. That's not what I'm saying, but a law as in legalism. Legalism happens when somebody's not willing to go, I think I was doing it wrong or I was doing it right. It's just not relevant anymore. We see this in every, about every 15 to 20 years, you see this happen in the church. And people either pick it up and they pivot online, right? Five years ago, seven years ago, nobody was willing to do online church. There was probably a handful of churches. We all could probably list those churches. And you hated on them. You hated on them. You said that it's blasphemy. They're wrong. They're heretics. In 2020 hit and you called them up. You emailed them. You watched their YouTube videos. And you said, how do I do this? That, that to me is somebody... On that side of it, that's somebody willing to learn. The other side of it is if you're not willing to pivot, again, based on methods, not truth, truth we don't waver on, but anything outside of truth, we, we're, we're willing to at least embrace it and listen. I'm not saying everyone's opinions can turn into the next strategy, the next way we do something, but if you're not willing to at least listen to somebody who has skin in the game in your environment, in your church, that's a massive red flag. So those are two statements. The last two, Red flags here. Everyone who transitions to a new church is bad. Don't get me started on this one. Everyone, everyone who transitions to a new church is bad. Okay. So when you hear that, and again, I've been in an environment like that. So is my wife. So probably a lot of listeners. You've been in, you've been in a church. You've been in a role. 
you transition out because you feel like God's sending you somewhere. And again, if God's speaking to you, you know. If you're a spirit-filled believer listening to this, you know when God's speaking to you because it's consistent. It you can't get out of your mind. And you gotta you gotta have discernment. And again, I'm talking to a seasoned Christian here, not a new believer or a non-believer. If you're listening to this, I love you and I hope that this is relevant to you in some sort. But not not everyone has bad intentions. We have to believe the best in people. And when we when we have to lie and slander towards people to make sure our church is healthy, our church is whatever, that's a problem because you can't say you're for a capital C church. You literally cannot say this. And if you say this, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to your church. You cannot say, I'm for the capital C church, but when somebody in my church goes to a different church, why do I all of a sudden feel the need to slander them? Why do I feel the need to talk bad about that church, to meet with people that were under them to make sure they know, hey, it was all them. We didn't do anything or it was a bad transition because they, it, here's what you hear a lot. And, and again, this is my experience. Somehow pastors always just put a spirit on it when it might practically just be they want to live in a different city and participate in a different local church. I love the local church, by the way. I don't see a problem in you feeling the call to go to another church to invest in that because we're investing in a kingdom of God. Like, the local church is hope of the world, okay? There's millions of local churches. So just find one that you're willing to invest in and that you can get behind the pastor's vision. Cool. There's the, there's the practical math on that one. If you don't understand that, then I don't know what to tell you. But we see this happen when somebody, they, again, they put a spirit on it. They got a spirit of Jezebel on them. Well, do you, do you know that the spirit of Jezebel can't happen without a spirit of Ahab, which is somebody who's affirming it? So if you're consistently hearing, oh, they got a spirit of Jezebel, you better ask who's initiating that. The Jezebel is nothing without an Ahab, aka the pr person telling you that is probably the Ahab in that situation. So not every, not every transition's bad. Not every person's bad. If we believe in the best in people, we believe that God really does work all things together for the, those who love him. And the people who are transitioning to another church, by the way, they love Jesus. Therefore, God's working in some way to see his message get reached to his people on the earth. So all that to say, not every transition needs to be bad. And if you're seeing perpetual transitions happen where people are being treated badly, they're not being honored and respected, that's a massive red flag. The last red flag here, and we, I think we have time to go through the green flags. It's just going to be a longer episode today, a longer video on here as well. So Last red flag, divide people behind the scenes while publicly calling for unity. So this is actually the same thing here. It just, it's more specific to people, not even just leaving the church, but you, when something happens, when a, when a division happens in a body, a specific church, you got to pinpoint it always attached to a few people who have high authority in that church, but have low self-esteem low vision for their personal lives. And again, they're very sneaky with it because a python doesn't eat a body. It suffocates it first and it sucks the life out of something before it eats it. So when you're around somebody and they're constantly taking the life out of you, when you leave and you're drained and you're going, man, they're kind of talking about a lot of people behind their back to me, which by the way, that means they're talking about you as well. Don't get me started on gossip because it happens way too much and we don't talk about it. 
if they're dividing people behind the scenes while publicly calling for unity, it might actually be a core value or a value in their church. It's like literally on their wall. It says unity, but unity starts with what? You. Unity starts with you. And if you're not willing, again, to be married to the message, not the method, and unity does not mean conformity. Unity means, hey, I love you and I love the mission we're getting on together more than my personal preference, more than the method that I want to do. But again, a behind the scenes stuff, if this is happening, that's a red flag. And that person is so insecure, so lost, and does not have the proper authority that they are submitting to. So those are some red flags. Again, these are just my personal experience. I hope that you don't listen to this and instantly have hate in your heart. That is not what I hope. That is wrong. What you should have is hope in your heart for the people who are doing it right. There's more good than bad in the church. I'm telling you that right now. You have to believe the best is so, so yet to come with the individual, but also the church, because we're just getting started, right? Like we're, we're just getting started. We're, we're early adopters in America anyways, obviously of the, of the Jesus movement, but we're, we're so many more people to reach. There's so many people in our neighborhoods and our apartment complexes that don't know Jesus. And it's our responsibility to carry that message through the local church. So here's some green flags. These are fun. You should be more lighthearted, but you can Sabbath and not feel guilty. This is a great, this is a great thing should almost be mandated on a church staff or a leadership team that you have a Sabbath. It might not be Saturday. It might not be the proper Shabbat. I get that and people's work schedules, but you need to have a 24-hour period where you're refreshing your soul. You're sitting with Jesus. You're sitting with your spouse. You're sitting with your family and you're, and you're making God a priority. I would also say this, Jesus is your Sabbath. So you will not find proper refreshment and rest without going to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, right? Or I think that's the verse. If you're tired and weary, you, you need to come to Jesus. You need to go to Jesus. Don't go to the PlayStation. Don't go to the TV. Don't go to the restaurant. Go. All those things, again, are incredible. And honestly, all, all of the things I just listed are part of my Sabbath. But the first thing that I go to in that day is Jesus. And I just bring Jesus in on all of those things. So you, don't, you should not feel guilty about having a Sabbath. If somebody makes you feel bad about having that, point them to the Bible, because it is an absolute mandate for you as a believer in Jesus to have a Sabbath. Team has expectation. In expectation, you can feel it. When you're in a room, again, it might be five people on your team. You can feel the expectation in the room of saying, man, I'm expecting God to move. I'm expecting God to do something. He's going to do the miraculous. Someone's going to get saved today. There, there's an expectation on a team it's bigger than excitement. Excitement is fleeing. It. It's temporary. Expectation is saying, man, God is going to do something here. Not just one person saying that on a stage, but you can feel it in the room, a spirit of expectation. The Bible is unapologetically preached. The Bible should be unapologetically preached. The Bible is an absolute truth. Everything in it, again, is our roadmap to walk this Christian life out with Jesus. And there's a whole nother conversation we had about biblical literacy because I believe most, not most, I would say most, I don't mean that. Some preachers are preaching an Old Testament moralism message every Sunday. That's a problem, right? So let's preach Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, the life. Therefore, nothing else matters besides that name and that name only. Everything else, again, can create change temporarily, but Jesus is the one who produces the, the Zoe life, the abundant life. So Green flag, open communication is encouraged. Open communication should be encouraged. Hey, 
I love your feedback. You're a servant leader in our church. That means you should have an opinion about this. You should care about this. You should challenge them. You shouldn't wait for me to challenge somebody. Open communication is saying, man, I, I, I love your thoughts. I love your insights on this. You matter to us. Open communication. Clear vision and values. I didn't say vision and values because every church has vision and values. But is it clear? Is it to the point? Can you, if I ask you right now, what is the vision of your church? Could you tell me? Not reach people. Maybe that, maybe that is your vision statement. That's awesome. That should be the goal, right? But clear vision and values. You got to have a clear vision and your values need to be as clear and concise as to the point because again, without clarity, there's blurriness and blurriness makes people wander and without vision, people perish, right? Without vision and without a clear vision, you're going to get wanderers. We don't want wanderers. Green flag, clear vision. Intellectually honest. Are we being honest in the church? Are we being honest about our numbers, our attendance? our followers, our friends. We need to be honest. Honest with ourselves first. And that that takes a different level of self-awareness that you might not have right now. And that's okay. You can grow in self-awareness. You just got to understand how to discover things in your life that you need to grow on. So intellectually honest, rooted in the local community. Yes, you should reach the world. Strive for it. Sure. You're not going to reach the world unless you reach your neighbor. And that doesn't mean, by the way, that you only do services and you don't actually do anything else with the local community. You are local environment. The local environment says, hey, we're here to partner with you and be a part of the, of the community, of the ecosystem of our city. That's what the church is. The church isn't the segregated, separated from the city and your neighborhood. We're the, on, we're the only ones who have this. So we're the only ones who have to make change. That's a problem. You got to be able to partner with your community or community partners, the people who are making change in your community. Unrelenting dedication to reach people for Jesus. You got you to be unapologetic about that. And a church who doesn't reach new people for Jesus might die out within five years or what will happen is the attendance will drop by like 50 or 60%. And the people who only go to that church all they care about is their, their incubation of community, which by the way, is not the mission of God. The mission of God is not for you just to have an incubator of people sitting around singing Kumbaya, not reaching new people for Jesus. And again, reaching people with Jesus doesn't just happen on a Sunday salvation call. It happens over coffee, which if you're a pastor listening to this, if you're a leader listening to this, you need to have friends and people in your world who are not yet followers of Jesus. Because you're telling your congregation, I'm, I'm not willing to do so, therefore they're not gonna do it. What walks in you runs in them, right? We've heard that a thousand times. So you need to have people in your world who don't know Jesus and you should be actively talking through the message of Jesus, the gospel message through one-on-one -on -one dialogue. They practice what they preach. This one's pretty straightforward, right? They practice what they preach. Are the people who are in leadership practicing what they preach, literally what they preach, aka, are they sharing the gospel with people? Are they growing in their relationship with Jesus? Are they being sanctified? Are they having accountability? All these things that you hear, their messages, even their leadership messages on team night or whatever, and you're hearing it and you're going, that sounds really great. I don't think you do that. And they might be doing it. You're just kind of asking them. And, and again, don't be that guy who's like trying to point out faults in people. That's weird. 
but you do you do want to have somebody who's the same person publicly and privately and they're practicing what they preach last two green flags here and then we will be on our way to the next week but open-minded the people in your world should be open-minded that's a green flag somebody's open-minded they're willing to listen to you they're saying hey i'm not the only expert here i'm not the person who knows it all i would love your insight on this that's somebody that you can get behind and love on and encourage and again follow open-minded last one kind of said this earlier but a desire to reach the lost there's a difference between having an idea or being able to just talk about reaching the lost there's a and having a desire which a desire that means it's in their heart that's a conviction that says we are unapologetic about reaching the lost we will reach the lost we will go into our city and make disciples because that's our commission that's co-mission that's partnering with the mission we don't get to invent the mission the mission's already been mandated 2000 years ago by Jesus our job's to partner with that which is reach the lost to seek and save the lost right and that doesn't happen just by forcing other people to do the things you stand up and do it you stand up and invite that person at church you model what it looks like to be a person who loves Jesus so much that you love what he loves which is people they should have a desire so a couple of reminders here and then we'll be on our way to the next week but the only perfect church is the one with no one in it the only church that is perfect has nobody in it and that's not a church that's it's a building this does not give you permission to abuse people for your personal gain or to get people to stay in your church because you're insecure. That, that's not what I'm saying. And again, that's what we hear, right? When you have been hurt by the church, people always go, I'm sorry the church hurt you. That was people, not God. That is true. Then they go, the church is made of broken people. And that's not giving an excuse to the abuse you experienced or the hurt or the trauma you experienced. What that is saying is, we all should not be treated with, with badly or with a, with a bad spirit attached to it. What that is saying is, man, nobody's perfect. People make mistakes. People are not mistakes. People have trauma on their own. People, again, all that, you know, God's, God's perfect. Nobody else is. And the last, last question here, and then we'll be done. Are you supposed to be the solution to the things that I just talked through that you, in your heart, you're feeling, oh, that, yep, that's my environment. Are you supposed to be the solution to that? My guess is yes. You're, and again, this is, if it's abuse, you need to get out of that environment. That's not just physical abuse. That's mental, spiritual, actual abuse. You need to leave that environment. You should leave that environment. You, do, you should not be abused in any context. That's not okay. And that breaks God's heart. And those people will be responsible to God when they get to heaven. So. Are you supposed to be the solution to these things that you're seeing? Again, probably more practical than not, you are. But if you're, if you're seeing things and you're going, I don't think I'm supposed to be the solution of this, maybe you're just supposed to learn from it and take it into your next season. Learn from it, move on. Again, that's wisdom. Wisdom is taking an experience, applying it, and learning from it, and not taking it and carrying it into your next season. Carrying that hurt in your next season, all that. So are you supposed to be a solution to it? You're supposed to learn from it. That's really the prompt. That's the question. If you can answer that, you can tell if these red flags are a sign that you need to leave or honestly a sign to actually stay because it's easier to leave or it's harder to stay. All that to say, don't give up on the church because someone misrepresented Jesus through their insecurities. There's a lot of insecure people in ministry. There's a lot of insecure, insecure people on this planet. We understand that. 
a secure person knows nobody is mine. Everybody's God's. The vision God is giving me is clear. We are unapologetically going to reach the lost and get to know Jesus more through our day-to-day walk. So thank you guys for listening to this. Again, if you're in an environment like this, please, one, message me. I'd love to talk to you through it. I can't guarantee that I have all the answers, but I do have listening ears. And I would venture to say, if you are a leader right now going, man, I feel offended right now by what Josh is communicating. You need to sit and ask yourself, why am I offended by this? Because if you're offended by it, it's usually an indication that it's truth hitting your heart, which through humility and confession can produce change in your personal life and walk with Jesus. You don't have to say that. You don't have to be that same insecure person that you always have been. You can grow. You can gain confidence in your walk with Jesus. Thank you guys for listening to this. We'll see you next week. I'm so, so thankful for each and every one of you.